welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Amy, Heidi, Marla, Pip, and Chris, and Craig, and Dennis, and Carrie. And Dave, all right. Any announcements, guys? Amy, I checked out the twelve step wisdom steps. I got the book, and their their web page has an incredible amount of stuff on it. You can go to their web page and go to the left side of the page and go down to steps. I think, and you can look and and she's taking each of the steps and put uh, a. Uh, uh, a spiritual quote for each step from each, each of these religions. So she's done a ton of work, ton of work. So this is, I would definitely check that out. It's uh, 12 wisdomsteps.com is the link. And the book is at buddyc.org if you want it. Also too, I'm still doing the daily devotions that I'm, I put a link to sign up for that. It's a Tao devotion. I have a, a quote, and then I do a thought from my experience, and then an affirmation of some type. Uh, started doing those the first of November, and I'm up to almost six months now. So I'm going to finish those out. So if you want to sign up for that, uh, keep in mind they're not complete. Uh, my editor has not gotten a hold to them yet, so I've got grammatical errors and things as well. Go to buddyc.org, top right corner. You can sign up for that. And then we'll publish a book of those with the art when I've got a year and it'll be a daily devotion. That, uh, but I'll keep doing it for free on the website. All of our books. And then, of course, if, if I quote, if you quote the my book that you can see copies of some of the texts at BuddyC.org and you don't have the money to buy one, just send me an email from the website and I'll send you a PDF. No problem whatsoever. ZoomAAMeetings.com, 9 p.m. Eastern, AA meeting every night. Amy, that's here today, will be telling her story on the 12th of March. Is it eight, nine years? Eight or nine years, Amy? Nine. You'll have nine years. And then I'm telling my story on the two-year anniversary on the 15th. That'll be on Tuesday night. We have a speaker every Saturday. Y'all come join us sometime. Then Amy chairs uh, Sunday and I chair Friday. And she does a beginner breakout on Friday as well. So any other announcements for the good of recovery, guys, that we need to make? An active life is our first story from Thomas Merton's book, Translations and Discussion of Chauncey's work. And Chauncey was a student of Lao Tzu who is attributed to writing the Tao Te Ching. And then we got a second story, Monkey Mountain, that I want to read with it. Uh, Devin P., one of our listeners, wanted to hear about Monkey Mountain when we first started doing this book. So we talked about this a while back. Uh, we'll talk about it again because I think it relates to this story very well. Marla, you want to read for us, dear? Do you mind? Active life. Okay. If an expert does not have some problem to vex him, he is unhappy. Didn't I know this is so familiar. If a philosopher's teaching is never attacked, he pines away. 
If critics have no one on whom to exercise their spite, they are unhappy. All such men are prisoners in the world of objects. He who wants followers seeks political power. He who wants reputation holds an office. The strong man looks for weights to lift. The brave man looks for an emergency in which he can show bravery. The swordsman wants a battle in which he can swing his sword. Men past their prime prefer a dignified retirement in which they may seem profound. Men experienced in law seek difficult cases to extend the application of laws. Liturgists and musicians like festivals in which they parade their ceremonious talents. The benevolent, the dutiful, are always looking for chances to display virtue. Where would the gardener be if there were no more weeds? Where, what would become of business without a market of fools? Where would the masses be if there were no pretext for getting jammed together and making noise? What would become of labor if there were no superflu- superfluous objects to be made? Produce, produce, <laughs> get results, make money, make friends, make changes, or you will die of despair. It should say despair. Those who are caught in the machinery of power take no joy except in activity and change the whirring of the machine. Whenever an occasion for action presents itself, they are compelled to act. They cannot help themselves. They're inexorably moved like the machine of which they are a part. Prisoners in the world of objects, they have no choice but to submit to the demands of matter. They are pressed down and crushed by external forces, fashion, the market, events, public opinion. Never in a whole lifetime do they recover their right mind, the active life. What a pity. Thank you, Marla. Any comments, guys? Just just take that and then uh, refer that to the program on, of action, please. Sounds to me like people uh, is talking about wanting, finding purpose in our abilities and our what we can accomplish in our own power. They're always looking for how we can look good, be good, feel good, all those things. It was a huge description of that. And the only real, the only real uh, teaching at all, I think was just the very last, you know, just the very last couple of sentences there. And it's like they're prisoners is what this says. They are somewhere. It even says that, doesn't it? All such men are prisoners in the world of objects. They don't have a choice. Yes. Yeah, they are. That's the last paragraph. Prisoners in the world of objects. They have no choice but to submit to the demands of matter. Pressed down and crushed by external forces. I was thinking, uh, of course, you know, you could relate that to drugs and alcohol if you want to. You could easily do that. Easily. We had no choice. But don't we do that with other things, too? I mean, we do. And I think that's the whole point of the story is that. And that uh, the the one that's free is the one that is that last couple of sentences. Never in a whole lifetime do they recover their right mind, their active life. What a pity. Craig, 
Yes, it says the active life. What a pity at the end. So I'm kind of thinking all these people are not happy unless they're doing. None of them want to be. They just want to be doing. Um, I think it's interesting that all these people are not happy unless they're actually doing what they are, what they think they should be doing. Especially the critics. The, the critics are the worst. I think sometimes the critics are the ones that go out looking for things to pick up on rather than just letting everybody else be as well. A lot of unsettlement in it. But he describes every group of people, Craig. Mm-hmm. Not just the, the worst of the worst, you know. Yeah, so, I know. I was just picking on the worst of the worst because that's what I want to do because I'm not happy yeah. with everybody else. I want to pick on the worst. But, because they're different from you, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not seeing myself in any of these, so that, that's why it's so easy for me to pick on them. Um, but it just reminds me that we sh- we're human beings, not human doings. Let's, yeah. let's just be for a while. It's interesting, too. It says... The, they don't discover the active life, but yet all these other people are very active, aren't they? <laughs> In a different way. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. Hello. Um, yeah, I, I really liked this story when I read I read it before the meeting. Um, the first paragraph when I read that, I thought, oh, you know, these are all examples of points of um, like contention or conflict, like you know, there's an opposition in these things. The philosopher needs an attack. The expert wants to be vexed. The critic needs someone to criticise. You know, always needing an external thing or person or something to validate their sense of identity as expert, as philosopher, as critic. And I can't help but always, I always return to Watts when he's talking about Taoism, how he, he really, he speaks about, you know, like the concept of this enemy and like that the enemy identifies our identity though, like it says in, you know, the last paragraph about where would the gardener be if there were no more weeds? You know, the gardener needs the weeds to identify as a gardener and, um, you know, the same goes for many other occupations. Um, And then, yeah, like the second paragraph, for me is really speaking to these external manifestations of something like the proving of um yeah like men pass their prime the swordsman is like this external um proving and again it's just like this external energy whereas I feel like the story is speaking to in this active life what would constitute sense of self if if we no longer had these external manifestations, if there was a quiet and there was a stillness. That's what, yeah, that's what I took away from this story. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, that's good. Uh, Craig? I think they missed the bleeding deacon of AA because, you know, he, he's not in there. You know, the bleeding deacon of AA is not happy unless somebody's looking for his opinion or his experience. But isn't all of these that, though? Yeah, but... You always see the ones that say, well, in my experience, this is where it should be done. There's, there's a lot of attention seeking in it as well. And just Pip mentioned it, the, the validation. That, you know, there's, there's a lot of people there and they're just seeking attention for their own for their own for their own good. I don't see any any giving in it. This reminded me of okay, go ahead, Amy. I I did not get any of that out of this story. <laughs> I mean, I did to an extent, but I'm just reading along and I'm like, oh, everybody's finding their purpose. 
Oh, they're fitting themselves to be of maximum service in whatever service they're doing. Oh, well, of course a gardener needs weeds. How would he be a gardener without weeds? So I, I like, I don't know. I didn't think of any of that stuff that John was <laughs> Like, I'm just like, oh, good for these people. Good. Yes. A brave man. Yes. Good that he gets an opportunity to show bravery. Good that as a recovering alcoholic, what is my purpose? Help another alcoholic. If there were no other alcoholics, how could I be a recovering alcoholic and fit myself to be a maximum service? Thank you, Amy. That's good. That's good. I'm glad we have enough folks to have different opinions, you know. Um, I was thinking of, I'm going to throw some Bible in here. Galatians 5, 13 through 15 in the message version. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about, God's word summed up in a single sentence, love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. Um, when I first read that years ago, and I use this when I'm working with someone who's a Christian that's working the steps. This is one of the, the verses that I use uh, with that. It's clear that God's called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. I'm like, wait a minute. If I'm free, aren't I free to do whatever I want to do? That's I thought that would be what freedom would be. But this says that if you do what you want to do, you will destroy your own freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Then I realized, I said, oh, it's not freedom to do whatever I want to do. It's freedom from having to do what I want to do. <laughs> it's freedom for me. And this story reminded me exactly of that same idea of having freedom for me. Because none of these folks are free. No matter how successful they are, they are not free. They are prisoners. They're all prisoners. They cannot help themselves. And what a pity to be a prisoner. Dennis. Yes, sir. Uh, wow. I'm so happy you said that, Amy, before that, because I actually, I just thought that, hey, but being aware that, that we can't have one without another, some people can't, or they kind of mix in, that's kind of different. That's more of a being state that you are, oh, I'm aware that the gardener needs weeds, but the... the uh, <laughs> The action part of that that isn't that healthy, I think, is that, you, that you're not seeking. It's just like you're sitting waiting for the weeds, for them to come, for you to be feel happy instead of being the awareness of it that, oh, this is just what I'm doing, that you can feel some joy in, in the beingness of just cutting down the weeds but not have to have to have it in order to be happy. I don't know that if that just makes any sense. But uh, uh, there, there is a being part of... of uh, of the awareness and uh and i and i'm I, I keep go back to the big book or not just the big book where we say this is this is a program of action and i just had the thought before i started this my whole program is about 
still doing. I even I even said to myself today, I'm going to do the right thing right now, not the next right thing, because then I've skipped ahead, right? <laughs> so I'm going to do the right thing right now instead. And uh, and and the whole thing is for me, this program here is to to do the right thing with without all the neurotic behavior, and and that's what it seems like here. Yeah, that's why the uh, the the thing is that you're always in a hurry. There's a teach not Han story that that says. This 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 horseback rider, and he's just going out there, and he's going in a, in a hurry. That's what I got out of this one here, and and everybody is saying, "Where is this guy going?" And they said, "He don't know. Ask the horse, right? Because he's not present. You're just always thinking about the next thing." And I really have to catch myself in that sometimes to kind of reel myself back. So um, I don't know. I don't know anything. Good topic, though. Thank what you, Dennis. I, what I saw, buddy, was the there, like Amy was saying. There's the yin and yang to it. Um, but if it's out of balance and it's ego driven, then that's a whole nother um, situation. The, it's a qualitative difference, I think. If if you're just recognizing the duality, you know that there is a duality that is overcome by a more uni- uniform um, code, the Tao, um, and and there is that balance in it. But I get out of balance all the time. I, I immediately thought of Facebook and how I used to um, be, you know, the one, the critic or the one that was always putting something out there controversial so I could argue with somebody and make my, my really good points and uh, went, went through my argument and went over people. Of course, I never did. But then I got to a point where, oh, I'm also a people pleaser. And now, now it upsets me after I started this that people um, think I'm wrong or they don't like me because of what I said. So I would just trade what like trade one dysfunction for another and feed that, that, uh, circle, um, for who knows what purpose other than not doing the next right thing or not doing the right thing, feeding my ego. Um, I'm finally past 98% of that on Facebook, but I still get sucked in sometimes. That's the part of being the human, I guess. Thanks Lou. Uh, Heidi. Uh, hey, um, yeah, you know, I was just thinking, like, you know, there's just, uh, you know, it's always like, it's always like so black and white, you know, like, like, I do this. And so, you know, like, this is my job. And I identify with that. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm this way, uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm stupid and this is why, and I'm not, I'm not good at this and I'm never, you know, and it was always just like absolutes, you know? And so that there isn't like, you know, a little bit of good, you know, like, like the book says, like there's a little bit of uh, bad and the worst of us and a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, um, so, you know, now I feel like I have more room to, you know, not be so like set in my, you know, identity with, you know, that stuff that's outside of me and I can allow myself to like, I don't know, um, take into consideration and be willing to like, think that, you know, um, you know, I might be good at this, but you know, I'm, I have these, you know, hard things and I might be you know, um, bad at this, but there's some things about this that I'm good at, you know, just, uh, you know, show myself a little compassion, you know, um, I don't know. I guess that's what I got. Thanks. Thanks, Heidi. Thank you, dear. Um, 
I have some personal experience with that, actually. Uh, early in my business career, I bought a number of rental houses back in the 90s, and I had a lot of my value attached to my success. And those houses were off limits. Uh, and I ended up getting involved in another business and had to sell those. And that's what, actually when I started drinking heavy was during that time because it was such a blow to my ego and my self-esteem that I had to do that because um, I had them amateurized out pay off when I was 40, which was 16 years ago. And, uh, and that would all paid off and I would have uh, retired. But instead, my ego says everything I do is going to work. <laughs> so I took risks I shouldn't have took. And ended up having to sell those. So, uh, but my value was tied directly to my success. My inner value was. So I'm, I've, I've experienced some of this from, from the viewpoint of, of the way we, way I was looking at it. Uh, I've got another reading. I posted this in the Facebook group. This is uh, verse 67 from the Wentza. Lao said, Human feelings are such that people submit to virtue rather than force. Virtue is what you give, not what you get. Therefore, when sages want to be valued by others, first they value others. When they want to be respected by others, first they respect others. When they want to overcome others, first they overcome themselves. When they want to humble others, first they humble themselves. So they're both noble and lowly, using the way to adjust and control this. The sage kings of ancient times spoke humbly to others and placed themselves after others. This is why the world gladly promoted them and did not tire of them, supported them without considering it a burden. Their virtue was abundant and their dispositions were harmonious. So if you know how giving becomes taking, and deference becomes precedence, then you're close to the way. Um, and that last sentence, uh, deference is humble submission and respect. So how humility becomes precedence when you are moved to a place of importance. So the sage, it's back to the old proverb of, I treat others the way I want to be treated, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, those external things are never going to bring us what we're looking for. We're thinking those things are where our value is at. We already know that's not. And that's, I think that's what this last line's about. Never in a whole lifetime do they recover their right mind, the active life. What a pity. So, so if they'd maintained their right mind through their life, would have been a little different. Yeah, they... They, they've had a job to do, Chris, like we have a job to do, but they wouldn't have sought out that job as a means of proving their value. Yeah, this whole thing sounds to me like a warning to say, just be careful through your life. You know, you need to stay in the middle or whatever, however you want to put it, uh, or, or you'll uh, lose your right mind. Yeah, well, you know, each of these different groups of people are looking for ways to show off and, uh, yeah. you know, well, I mean, each of or to do the job. You know, I think along 
what Amy was trying to get at or maybe did get at and I missed it was that, you know, um, what's wrong with being a gardener and, and, uh, you know, and wishing there weren't any weeds. Um, So. (laughs) Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're not uh, a prisoner, uh, if you're not OCD and you weed and you have to stop and go, (laughs) you know, there's nothing wrong with it. If it's not, doesn't have you trapped. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, just going to come in. Um, sorry, go, Chris. Uh, go ahead, Bill. Um, yeah, I was just going to come in and sort of um, echo what you already said, buddy. That I think the point that this story is making is that it is um, a prison for these people. So he's pointing out that in these instances, it is a prison, and I think it is. Um, without, I think. When, um, when I remind myself, I'll speak from experience, when I remind myself that life ultimately is a bit of a game that I have to play, it, it allows me to take a step back from taking everything so seriously, getting so angry about everything. When I remind myself that my job um, has complications or there are adversaries or there are problems, there are opponents, that it, that's just the game of life. That's, you know, it takes, I, I feel like I find a little bit of freedom in those moments where I can see, because, you know, I actually, I used to work in the environmental field. I used to do conservation work. So the gardener part really makes sense to me. Um, I'm just, if I rem- remind myself, I'm just playing my part and the weeds are going to be there. Um, I can't, I can't do away with them. And the weeds are kind of necessary for my job. There's like, a freedom in kind of stepping back and seeing the game that it's at play rather than being in it and not realising. And I think that's to do with the machinery paragraph he's talking about at the end, you know, not realising that you're in the machine. The freedom kind of comes when you step back and you're like, I'm in the machine. Okay. Hmm. You know, there's a big difference between, you know, we need experts and philosophers and critics. We need all these different groups of people. Uh, but when, when we're getting our value from those external achievements, that's the problem. Uh, Chris, did you have anything else to add? I'm sorry, I, I cut you off a little early and didn't mean to. You good? Uh, not really, no. I think it's been covered. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and read this last story real quick and see if it adds anything to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, Gary, go ahead, sir. I was just curious if there's any red flags, like to know if you're attached to pulling the weeds or if it's time to pull off, stop pulling weeds. Like I, I get, I kind of get that exists the best weeds, but I'm kind of what I get confused is when should I, when when am I doing too much? Yeah, that's what I was uh, sort of talking about is. Um... It's, it sounds like a warning to me that, you know, you got to maintain your your right mind, pay attention to your right mind as you progress, you know, through life or whatever your activity is. Yeah, I've, I've been involved in projects myself where I was thinking more about um, how people are going to love this or how it's what the... Uh, the worldview of it's going to be rather than does it really have 
a value or is it going to satisfy me or, you know, why am I doing it? What are the motives about doing it? I think that's maybe what they're getting at here too. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, Carrie, if you look on the second page there in the middle, it says produce, get results, make money, make friends, make changes, mm-hmm. or you will die of despair. I think that our personal disturbance, <clears throat> our personal disturbance would probably be the best gauge when we're disturbed. Um, and that comes, are we coming at our work from a place of fear? If we are, this is probably the way we're going to behave is the way that all these descriptions, because we're going to be pacifying our fear. So that's that's kind of my thinking on this is you can look at you have to look at your inner disturbance. All these people were disturbed, I think. Because it says because it described them as being that they had to produce, they had to get results, they had to make money, they had, you know, all this, you know. Uh, or they would die of despair. So for me, I would think their their personal value was placed on these achievements. Good comments today, guys. Any others right now? Any other warnings that you guys can think of for Carrie on this? Well, I, I can just remember or I can relate that that sometimes I get attached to the outcome, and that's that's the problem. That's kind of how, how my ego attaches to that, that I, in your case, with, with the realty, you felt like, hey, man, I'm unsuccessful now, right? And, and, and me, I was always feeling like a fiasco if I didn't do what I, I needed to get done in a certain time or whatever. And, uh, and, and I think that's it. But, um, but doing it and being in the moment, that's, that's different. That's, that's uh, being with it, right? Or that's the, what is it that you call it? It's not moving, um, effortless, effortless. That's the word, right? Yeah, standing on what is already moving. That yeah. whole because I took it like, oh, that means I can just sit back and relax and not do anything, get entertained, and just, <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> it is still effort, but it's just in an effortless way. But it is effort. Hmm. It is effort. It is not doing nothing. Hmm. It is more of, uh, for me, it seems to be more of doing without the selfish motive. Carrie. I was just thinking for me, what I struggle with is like, is it okay to pull that weed or should I wait? And like, I sit there at that, that, that decision point, um, maybe an example might help. So like at work now, you know, I have an employee that is really struggling with their work and, uh, and, you know, and in my mind, I think they should have it by now. I'm getting frustrated that I have to answer questions and, and do things for them. And, um, and I'm just wondering, you know, should I be compassionate and spend some time with them and really help them out? Or is it better that they just figure this out and handle it more toughly? And, you know, as a manager, kind of what should I be doing there? Um, and I'm trying to equate it to that, this reading to that. And I struggle with that. Like I get stuck with, I don't know if I should move forwards or backwards, be compassionate, or by me being compassionate, that's uncompassionate. It's hard to say, isn't it, Carrie? Because all situations are different. You know, we don't know what that person needs. For me, if I'm in those situations, I try to put myself in their position and see what, if I were them, how how I could best react to help them. If it, you know, whatever the situation. 
I've had employees before years ago that just weren't getting it. And it was best for me just to let them go as quickly as possible because they were never going to get it. You know, I've had that situation. Um, I gave them every opportunity and they just weren't able. They just weren't able to do the job. Um, but then other times I've had others that I've helped, but I knew they could do it. I just knew they could. So I would do the extra effort to help them. And they just needed to get over that little bit of hump they had. So, yeah, that's just something that, uh, but for me, if I don't know what to do, I just do nothing until I do. I try not to press those things. I got a, I got an amen from Amy, so it must be right. So, <laughs> Who can read Monkey Mountain for us? Um, Amy, you feel like reading? Yeah, I'll give it a whirl. Thank you. Mon- Monkey Mountain. The Prince of Wu took a boat to Monkey Mountain. As soon as the monkeys saw him, they all fled in panic and hid in the treetops. One monkey, however, remained completely unconcerned, swinging from branch to branch, an extraordinary display. The prince shot an arrow at the monkey. The monkey dexterously caught the arrow in mid-flight. At this, the prince ordered his attendants to make a concerted attack. In an instant, the monkey was shot full of arrows and fell dead. Then the king turned to his companion, Yen Kui. You see what happened, he said? This animal advertised his cleverness. He trusted in his own skill. He thought no one could touch him. Remember that. Do not rely on distinction and talent when you deal with men. When they returned home, Yen Kui became the disciple of a sage to get rid of everything that made him outstanding. He renounced every pleasure. He learned to hide every distinction. Soon, no one in the kingdom knew what to make of him. Thus, they held him in awe. That monkey should have read the story before this, you know. It's just going to say that's like cocky monkey again, isn't it? It is, isn't it? At least he's not throwing shit at him. (laughs) Does anybody feel sorry for it yet? It's not a politically correct story for sure. Um, but the monkey was showing off, you know. But is it politically correct in that you reap what you sow? What goes around comes around? He trusted in his own skill, is what the story says. And it served him until it didn't. Served him until it didn't. It always reminds me of the Raiders of the Lost Ark scene where um, the crowd parts and there's a swordsman and he's doing all the fancy stuff with the swords and Indiana Jones shoot, pulls out a gun and shoots him. They said that uh, Harrison Ford had had the flu that day and didn't feel like the fight scene, so they changed it. Well, it's that, uh, you know, you may be a master swordsman, just like in the last one where it talked about a master swordsman and they look for the sword fight, but sometimes life gives you a different fight to fight. That's it. So the monkey was trusting his own skill and the attendant paid attention. And then the attendant decided that he was going to do everything to rid himself of that prison of his own skill. So he learned how to hide every distinction, every talent that he had. And it says at the very end that they held him in awe for it. He practiced what that 67th verse was talking about that he showed virtue so everyone was virtuous toward him. That's good. But you know, Carrie, you hit the nail on the head, though. The problem is 
we all go through life. We all have things to do. We can't all, you know, sit in a cave and meditate all day and not have any interactions with other people. And well, well, kind of like what Dennis was saying <laughs> about the effort about not, you know, we, we can't, we have to be involved. We have, you know, our life is, it has jobs and duties and skills and things to do. So what, what, how do we do those jobs and skills and duties, but yet uh, not become the monkey, <laughs> you know, not trust in those skills and duties and things. That's the, and for me, it really comes back to, in my interactions with other people, try to, try to really keep an effort. I learned this a long time ago, even negotiating houses when I used to buy a lot of houses. Um, if I could ever figure out what those people really needed, because the price was not what they needed. There was something behind that most of the time. Sometimes they just needed a U-Haul to California. And if I got them a U-Haul to California, I could have their house. If I talked to them enough, I could find out what they needed. And then if I could give them what they needed, then everything was taken care of. I paid off $1,500 in credit cards on a house and bought it. That's what he needed. $1,000 would not have done it for him and, you know, whatever the balance was on the house. So, but that's that attitude of how can I help you rather than how can you help me? And if I think if we keep that kind of a, an attitude, it'll go a long way. Uh, if we if we look at every interaction as a as an opportunity for service in some way, um, and we can do that very easy. That's not pie in the sky. That's very doable and very applicable. It is for me, even down to how I drive on the road. I can drive that way where I'm not riding up on folks' ass if they're going too slow, or if I'm, you know, I can be considerate and courteous. That that is practicing that. Instead of, you know, get out of my way, here I come, you know. I can treat folks with respect, and then they respect me. Just exactly what that 67th verse was talking about from the Winsor. Hi, let me unmute you. Okay, you should be able to unmute. I couldn't unmute you. Oh, okay, we'll come back to you. Unmute if you've got something, Heidi. She may have hit it by accident. Anyone else, guys? Yes. Um... Well, basically, it just besides I felt so pretty freaking bad for the monkey. I love monkeys. I mean, why would you shoot the monkey for just being a monkey? And isn't that what monkeys do? They monkey around and do that. But anyway, I, I'm thinking it's it's just teaching your hu. It's about to, to teach us about humility, right? Isn't that the essence of it? That that hey, if I'm humble, I don't have to show my uh, my good parts or my bad parts for that sake. It just uh, is. And, and as long as I'm aware of what I can do and cannot do, I don't have to display that to the world. That's good. I, I The way I do that, Dennis, is thinking of everything as a gift that I have. Mm, yeah. That, that I did. I, even my skill is a gift. And all those are gifts that I'm given to be given away, not to keep. Mm. They're all gifts. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I was just reading the um, the line. It says, "Remember that. Do not rely on the distinct 
do not rely on distinction and talent when you deal with men. But I think it's interesting that it says that because I think like the Tao um, doesn't make distinctions between anything. The Tao is, is a force, you know. It doesn't make distinctions between anything. You know, we have natural forces that destroy, you know, other habitats and, and things like this. So I think it's interesting that it just specifies men there because I feel like do not rely um, on distinction and talent when you deal with men also applies, you know, to the way. Like there's no, the way doesn't make a distinction, you know. Death occurs and um, and it may not have been um, the prince that shot an arrow into the monkey. It could have been, it could have been anything, anything else, you know. There's no distinction made. I don't know if anybody else has a thought on that. I think, I think, it's, I think it's to do with the, I think it's to do with the intention behind what's going on. Men usually have some ulterior motive. But when we say men, we mean mankind, not just us men. Um, I think really we, we have more of an intention than the rest of the rest of the wildlife on, on the planet. If you know what I mean, uh, we spoke about this briefly earlier on about how mankind doesn't have this capacity to stop when he has enough. He always wants more and more and more and more. We don't have. We can't distinct between when we have enough and, and when we don't. Because we're ran by our fears, right? Yeah. That keeps us out of the moment. Our fears always keep us in yesterday or tomorrow. But yep, you know what it is? Have... The Tao, I'm gonna I'm gonna really draw it out. It's the Tao De Ching. It's the book of the path of virtue. It's not the book of the path of balance. Day is virtue, T E. Um, and I was looking at, this is verse 79, heaven has no preference, but always sides with the one who forgives. So I believe that, and from my personal experience and from the, from all the experience I read, uh, Joko Beck and some of the Zen teachers that I listen to in their experience, once they've gotten rid of their selfishness and their fear, that's all that's left is compassion. So when I get rid of my fear, I, we all seem to have a this drop of love within us that's hid. So I think truly with the Tao that when we do let go and accept that we're going to move toward compassion and virtue rather than toward, you know, selfishness and despair um, that's that's been my experience and from what i read and, and dennis and i've talked about that some actually but uh, yeah you know and also too pip you know even if you look at nature we don't know what's good or bad we really don't but how many times have i gone into a situation that i thought was horrible and i've, I've i'm like that cat that i always land on my feet you know i don't understand it we had an old cat that we could throw as high up in the air as we could throw it when we were kids. And it would always land on his feet. We couldn't figure it out. We could never, we, we could never trip it up. But, uh, you like that one, don't you, Dennis? But it's true. It's true. Um, and I don't understand that. You know, why things work to get, seem to work together for good, but they do. Yeah, it's like the, um, 
there's a, I forget what the saying is, but the, the yeah, like the universe, everything in existence is in um, perfect harmony, even in a state of what we seem as to be chaos, you know. But I think that just shows the limitation of my mind. If I think that I can make sense of what is good and what is bad from my perspective, you know, it's a humbling experience to realise that I can't. There's a larger system at play. I couldn't possibly think that I can decide moralistically what's um, good and bad and um, positive or negative. You know, there's a system beyond my rational mind that I can't make sense of that's the way you know like the the story of the Taoist farmer you know the farmer story Pip you know that y'all know that one where they it's told a lot of different ways but uh the guy had a horse that he worked his farm with and the the horse ran off and his neighbors oh it's horrible how are you going to work your farm your horse is gone and the guy's response is, maybe it is. Maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Quit trying to figure it out. You know, he didn't try to figure the thing out. A few days later, the horse showed up with five wild horses. Then the neighbor said, wow, isn't it great? Your horse came back with all these horses. You're rich now. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. His son was breaking the horses and got bucked off and broke his leg. Now the neighbors are back again. Isn't it horrible that your son broke his leg? And the farmers, how are you going to get your crops in? You, you don't have no help. What are you going to do? And the farmer said, maybe it's bad. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Then the uh, army came around confiscating, taking all the young men to fight in a war they would not return from. But his son didn't have to go because the horse ran away. And the horse brought back these wild horses that he was busy trying to break them and broke his leg. So he didn't have to go and probably lose his life. But even at that, you know, the neighbors came with their, oh, isn't this wonderful? Your son didn't have to go. And his response was the same, <laughs> even though he was probably very grateful and happy that his son didn't have to go. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Just don't know. Doesn't that remind us of a good AA quote, Amy? I've been waiting on you to bring that one out. Did you find that one? You, you got I, that one? I got a lot. I'm such a good alcoholic. I got the 12 and 12. I got the big book. And then I went and got the fifth agreement. I was reading this oh with the spots. I did, buddy. I did. Um, I don't know if y'all have read the four agreements, but there's a fifth agreement. Check it out. Um, <laughs> we just read this last night. And I'll go back to the big book in a minute, buddy, unless you get there first. Everything you... Everything you perceive is a reflection of what is real, just like the reflections in a mirror, except for one important difference. Behind the mirror, there is nothing, but behind your eyes is a brain that tries to make sense of everything. Your brain is interpreting everything you perceive according to the meaning you give to every symbol, according to the structure of your language, according to all the knowledge that was programmed in your mind. Everything you perceive is being filtered through your entire belief system. And the result of interpreting everything you perceive by using everything you believe is your personal dream. We think that our dream is the absolute truth when the real truth is that our dream is a relative truth, a reflection of the truth that is always going to be distorted by all the knowledge we have stored in our memory. 
man. Okay. I, what big book quote were you thinking of? <laughs> 418. Well, that's the go-to. Yes, I think that was the first one. I did want to say this one, though. The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. On the next page, it says, is he not really a self-seeker, even when trying to be kind? Is he not, in, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? What page was that? That was 60 and 61. That's good. Thank you. That covered mm-hmm. it. 418, before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. But I don't know what's good for me. I don't know what's good for you. That yeah. last part was paraphrased. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. You know, we can take the same actions from a place and motivation of love, or we can take it from a place of fear. And outwardly, they may look identical, but within, we know the difference. And if we're operating out of fear, the only thing we have to, as a result of fear, is selfishness, dishonesty, and resentment. That's all we have. Tell that to the king, buddy, because if the king wasn't full of fear, that monkey would still have been alive today. He embarrassed the king, didn't he? The king had a fear of embarrassment. He's not going to embarrass the king. Gary? I think, so I Going back to Pip, like why that, why he mentioned men, it made, made me think that if if the monkey was walking in a tree and a branch fell and he caught it, he would probably know that he wasn't in danger anymore. But if he's dealing with a, a person or a man, men aren't always natural. So you're still not out of, he was relying on talent when he was dealing with something that wasn't natural anymore. And maybe that was, why they point out men there is you just never know quite what they're what they're going to do. Maybe he, maybe the men was just talking about uh, do not rely on distinction and uh, and talent when you deal with men. Like anything you do in the world, any interaction with other people, you can't rely on your own talents. Um, if that's all you have, it can get you in trouble. And I think that's why it's so important. The twelfth step it says that we learn to practice these principles in all our affairs. That that alcohol was a symptom; it wasn't the real problem. The real problem was back to our fears again. That was our problem. So if we're not working those steps on those fears, getting peeling that onion, and I think we work on it all of our life. You know, it's not something. I mean, it is a lifelong process. Um, I don't know anyone. I know one gentleman that's got 50 years and he's a spiritual guy, but he has not arrived. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean that, you know what I mean? I mean, he, I mean, he still works the program, you know, uh, now he's incredible and I love being around him. Don't get me wrong. And he works the program, but what I'm saying is no matter how long we're here, we'll still need to work this thing. We'll still be discovering. Was it uncovering, discovering, uncovering, uncovering, discovering? Uncover, discover, discard. Yes. No matter, no matter how long we're here, I think we'll still be going through that process. So then, why did you just say he hasn't arrived? 
I don't want to arrive because if I arrive, I'll stop seeking. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, oh. you would think someone who had worked the program for 50 years wouldn't have anything left to work on. Oh. You would think that by then, you know, he, you know, he he would be perfect. In other words, you know what I mean? I mean, if he, if I would think if I worked the program like I work it as diligently right now, if I did that for 50 years, I would hope I would have nothing left. But we all, we're human beings and we have, at least we have our new stuff that comes up, you know, even if we get rid of all of our fears and things that we have buried deep, you know, but that's the difference with this is our attitude that we're bringing in and our level of consciousness toward, if you look at David Hawkins, the ever-present onion, yes, Bill, unfortunately, (laughs) David Hawkins talks about this, where we can we can take and come at something from a higher level of consciousness that we used to come at from fear. We talked about this, I think, last week, too, with Dennis's question, that we can come at something from a place of love rather than a place of fear. Mm-hmm. And that's part of this, too. All these people, I think, are fearful if they're held in their prison. You know, they're they're still bound to themselves. They have to seek all of this uh, um, approval and seek the success, and they don't have a choice. They have to produce. They have to get results. They have to make money. They have to make friends. They have to make changes, or they will die of despair. Being rid of fear, maybe. Trying to be satisfied through self-effort. That's what I was a note of mine. One of my favorite albums, Craig. We are all just prisoners here of our own device. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Hotel California. You can never leave. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Golly, man. That's mine, too. That's my favorite album, too. Especially the new version of Oaks of California. Good. Yes. Anything else before we close? Good story. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for hosting. Well, if there's nothing else, we will see you guys next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.